0: Here's your host, Alex Garrett.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, you could have been anywhere in the world tonight, but you're here with us in New York City. Are you ready? Welcome inside Adapting with Alex Garrett. Oh, if the shoot weary. Let's adapt together right now. Well, we are always adapting here at Alex Garrett. And it, we continue the series of adapting to the Biden administration. And what does that look like for the Department of Justice? I've got my friend uh, Jeff Mordock back. Hey, Jeff, how are you? You're with The Washington Times, DOJ uh, columnist. How are you?
0: I'm to find out Happy New Year to you.
1: Happy New Year to you. When we last talked, we kind of knew Bill Barr was on the way out. It happened sooner than maybe some people thought. And now we have a brand new uh attorney general and mr merrick garland uh, i love this move by the way personal anecdote but what can we expect from merrick that he could build off of from the trump administration
0: well let's step back for a minute. we don't have a new attorney general yet merrick garland needs to be confirmed by the senate and the house judiciary committee which holds the confirmation hearings and then sends him to the full senate for a vote hasn't scheduled a hearing yet so we're still kind of in flux at the department of justice and the acting attorney general um, under the Trump administration, after Bill Barr left, Jeffrey Rosen, he stepped down on inauguration day. So right now, there really isn't anybody heading – kind of heading the Justice Department. It's sort of a sort of an influx uh, influx era right now, at least at least until we can get Merrick Garland put in.
1: Well, maybe you could step in for a little bit while they're <laughs> Um, you so, don't need
0: to be a lawyer. You can, you know, you, you can, you can do it. Anybody can do it.
1: And um, this comes at a time where the capital riots really have to be investigated. So is that worrisome that we don't have someone fully now, in charge yet?
0: No, I mean the, the the attorney general, not at all. The attorney general is there to sign off on big things to sort of set the policy and set the tone. Those investigations into the capital rights have been going on under Jeff Rosen. They're, they're being led by the department heads and the heads of the different departments. There's no reason to think that um, a lack of an attorney general right now would disrupt any of those investigations.
1: Do you think once Merrick gets confirmed, his first thing is going to be to stop the special counsel that was put in to deal with Russia? Could that actually happen or no?
0: Well, he could. It's – I mean, he – well, he actually – technically, he couldn't fire the special counsel. special counsel always serves at the pre, at the pleasure of the president. So um, Merrick Garland may not be able to fire him, but uh, Joe Biden certainly can. Um, and it's going to be really interesting to see what he does. And by special counsel, we're talking about John Durham, right. whose uh, long-range um, – Alleged wrongdoing uh, by the uh, by the FBI and Justice Department during the Russia collusion probe, uh, which is now what's, what's that been going on now? It's been going on for over over almost two over two years at this point. He's, he's run longer than Mueller has. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so, that, so that's who it would be. Uh, it would be up to Joe Biden to fire him. I don't know that Joe Biden's going to do that for a couple of reasons. One, we haven't seen any evidence here that uh, John Durham is onto anything. Um, You know, we hear tidbits here and there, but we haven't heard much from John Dorm in a while. One of the things I am hearing is that there is speculation that John Dorm may pull some of his punches because he is because he is going to be working for Joe Biden in the new administration in his current role as U.S. attorney. And that's also something that's really interesting that you should pay attention to, because when a new And I know I'm going off on a little bit of tangents here, but when a new president comes in, it is their their priority, and it's usually a tradition, to fire all of the U.S. attorneys appointed by a previous president. Uh, So Joe Biden, at some point, is going to fire. Now, some of the U.S. attorneys appointed by Trump already saw this coming and have left for private sector jobs and have already put in their resignation. The ones that have stayed – Joe Biden will likely fire all of them. And, you know, Donald Trump fired Barack Obama's U.S. attorneys. Barack Obama fired George W. Bush's U.S. attorneys. George W. Bush fired Bill Clinton's U.S. attorneys. John Durham is the U.S. attorney for Connecticut. Um, I think Biden, it's, it's obviously within Biden's rights and tradition to fire John Durham as U.S. attorney. But I think, he would keep him on his special counsel, because I think the political fallout and the political rhetoric and the political heat he's going to take for doing it's not worth whatever John Durham's going to come up with, because right now we're not seeing any evidence that John Durham has a smoking gun or has something that's going to be incredibly damaging to Joe Biden or his incoming administration. And And if he does, we have no idea when we're going to see that at this point. I know we were all talking about having him come up with something before the election you know people forget because it doesn't seem that long ago that was three over three months ago and we still you know we haven't heard anything from john durham since then
1: you know i think it's interesting there's a couple things uh when pre was fired everybody made a big deal but as you say that was just trump doing what the tradition was which is firing the previous uh you know state uh, attorney but I, i've got to ask you this uh obviously hunter biden and all that um are you surprised on the FBI front that he kept Chris Ray in? Like, is that a surprise to you? And uh, how does that affect the DOJ's processes? Now,
0: I am not surprised he kept Chris Ray in. The only people who were calling for Chris Ray's head were Republicans. Uh, Republicans were outraged by a bunch of things that Chris Ray had done. Um, for example, um, they felt that he was slow-walking the Hunter Biden investigation, Republicans' work. Obviously, that's not an issue for Joe Biden because he wants them to slow-walk it. Actually, he wants it to go away. Um, so slow-walking, it's fine if that's the best you um, can Republicans were angry that Chris Ray had disagreed with the president about voter fraud and said that you know the FBI wasn't uncovering any evidence of voter fraud. That's certainly something that's not going to bother Joe Biden. Uh, another thing they were angry with Chris Ray about was his, um, you know, were some of his comments about Antifa being more of an idea than, than a group. Uh, again, that's something, you know, Joe Biden kind of wants Antifa to go away. He's not going to challenge that either. So those statements that he made, that Chris Ray made that everybody sort of wanted him out for are stuff that's really going to enrage Republicans. Democrats aren't going to have an issue with those things.
1: Well, uh, no, they're not. Um, But for the DOJ, I mean, how how does um, if Merrick Garland is appointed, what are we looking at? Like, do you think he's a nominee? What could he bring to the table for for the Department of Justice?
0: Well, I think he's going to bring a couple of things to the Department of Justice. One is he is a Justice Department veteran. He has been at the Justice Department for a long time. Uh, I, well, I, I, just let me step back. He He's currently a U.S. judge, but his career, he came up through the, uh, through the Department of Justice. Two of the more high-profile cases he prosecuted as a Justice Department attorney include the Unabomber Ted Kaczynski case and the Oklahoma City bombing case in 1995. He prosecuted the Oklahoma City uh, bombers. He is um so he's got that he's got the experience he is well liked on both sides of the aisle uh when he was announced as the nominee republicans you know uh, uh, lindsey graham a couple of others even bill barr issued statements uh praising merrick garland he's got a reputation as being a moderate uh if you look at his decisions on the Supreme Court, they're not, you know, even though he was appointed by Democrats and most likely he believes in Democrat things, um, they're not hard left. They're not flaming left. They're they're relatively moderate. And it seems like in some of these cases, he's taken the side of law enforcement, and that I think is going to be one of the biggest challenges that he's going to face is getting law enforcement on board with the Biden administration. Merrick Garland's gonna have three major choices he's gonna have to face, and we can talk about each one, uh, however you're interested in talking about them. The first one is what does he do about Donald Trump and Donald Trump's role in the Capitol riots that we saw on January 6th? The second challenge is what does he do about the Hunter Biden investigation, which is currently going on in Delaware? And the third challenge is how does he get law enforcement and police agencies back on board with the Biden administration because they overwhelmingly went for Trump and overwhelmingly supported Trump?
1: You know, and, and to that line, uh, will he push back on the whole idea not to charge domestic terrorists? I mean, there's advocates saying don't charge them. I, I don't know if you're following that case, but it seems kind of bizarre that people would actually not want domestic terrorism charged. Maybe I'm reading that wrong, but that's what it seems like right now.
0: Uh, are, are you talking about um, – are you talking about Congress? Because right now there is no domestic terrorism law. You can't charge anybody. You can charge somebody under a terrorist statute, but you can't charge anybody specifically under a domestic terrorism statute. You have to find other charges. So if you know, a foreigner who's a member of ISIS or al-Qaeda comes over here and blows something up, we have all kinds of terrorism charges. If a U.S. citizen comes in and blows something up, we, we have plenty of charges for them. We do not have a domestic terrorism charge specifically. Is that what you're talking about, whether or not to put one in?
1: Yeah, that's what it's going to be, yeah. because they want to do a threat assessment, according to the Biden administration, uh, you know, on domestic terrorism. So I think that would be a good assessment to have, but I don't know why people are pushing back on that. It's kind of weird.
0: Well, I think people are pushing back on it because it then becomes— who was the arbitrator? Who decides what is domestic terrorism? You know, a great example of that is look at the insurrection at the Capitol. And I've written it, I've called it an insurrection in our paper, and we've gotten I've gotten some um pushback on that from from readers. But it is clearly an insurrection. But you look at it and you have two types of people. You have people in there who are clearly bad actors showing up with zip ties and military gear. And lists of good politicians and bad politicians, and talking about doing all sorts of horrible things like shooting Nancy Pelosi in the head. Those people, you know, most likely, and again, I don't want to paint with a broad brush, but if you look at those cases individually, you could easily make a case that they're domestic terrorists. The other group of people who were in the Capitol that day are just, honestly, for lack of a better term, Dumbasses who just wandered in with the crowd and were, oh, look at me. I'm in the U.S. Capitol and walking around and sitting on chairs and
1: rummaging through
0: desks and
1: taking a laptop or two. You know how that goes. Yeah.
0: Just just sort of got caught up in the insanity of the moment and really weren't intent on, you know, they're they're not the people who had, you know, guns in their cars. So the question is who becomes the arbitrator if we have a domestic terrorism decision? Because you could make an argument. That, you know, the people who brought guns to this and had guns sitting in their car, you know, parked two blocks from the Capitol, most likely are domestic terrorists. Again, I don't want to paint with a brush, but you look at this case you could easily make a domestic terrorism case uh, if we had that charge for these people.
1: By the way, Antifa but, is still around. So how does the DOJ deal with them, too?
0: Well, I was just saying, but just to finish up, you know, then who decide? you know, it, it, are you comfortable with the idiots who just wandered in? being labeled as domestic terrorists. I don't think that that's entirely fair, but again, you've got to look at it at a case by case. So that's the reason for the pushback. Uh, so I, I, I'm sorry, back but your, your question again. I'm sorry.
1: So in, in addition to that, you still got Antifa you got to deal with. So how would the DOJ deal with them, or is that more an FBI thing that they got to keep them under control well, as well? Well,
0: the DOJ's got to bring the charges. Obviously, it's up to the FBI to enforce the law. Um, Antifa's really interesting because they have... Um, really taken to the streets since inauguration to really protest uh, Joe Biden and his election. They are going out of their way to make it explicitly clear they're not on board with Joe Biden. And and there's a couple of reasons for that. But one of the things I think is really interesting about Antifa, why they've been so active since Wednesday, is I agree they have no love for Biden. I also think that they've sort of been neglected and sort of pushed aside Since the Capitol riots, because everybody's focused on right wing terrorism and right wing domestic and right wing militia groups and right wing extremists, and nobody's paying attention to them. And I think some of this has been an effort by Antifa and these far left protesters to reassert themselves and remind people, hey, we're still here and we can cause plenty of chaos ourselves.
1: Uh, yeah, and I hope that that gets under control under Biden. Of course, he said it's not in a, a group, it's an idea, which was kind of a ridiculous statement to say in the uh, in the thing. Is, as, as you and I both but, know, anarchy doesn't care who's been president. You know, that's what we're learning right, right. now.
0: Right. They don't care. I mean, they're marching, um, you know, they're marching in the street saying, F Trump, F Biden, too. They don't care about you. They're You know, there was um, they were marching with a sign uh We don't want Biden. We want revenge for police killings. Yes, they. But I think Biden could could help get this under control by doing one simple thing, which is calling a press conference, going to the podium and condemning Antifa and expressing support for law enforcement. I think that would go a long way. I think it would do a lot to repair his damaged relationship with law enforcement.
1: Definitely. I heard all almost all unions didn't support Biden. Right. That was kind of the big deal.
0: Well, it's really kind of interesting with police unions, and I feel like I, I'm going a little bit all over the map here, but I, I want to make this point I think it's interesting. Police unions overwhelmingly went for Trump. There, there's no question about it. One police union even set up you know, voter education drives and voter registration drives to sort of encourage people to get on board with President Trump. Since the Capitol riots, I have done a few stories about how law enforcement officials And police associations have walked back their endorsement, told me they regret their endorsement, tell me they've completely changed their mind about President Trump after the Capitol riots, which included the death of one police officer and another police officer who responded to the riots, committing suicide a couple of days later. Now, we don't know the exact reason why he committed suicide, but he did do it within a few days of responding to the Capitol riots. So law enforcement has really turned on President Trump. But they're not getting – or I should say former President Trump – but they're not getting the support from Joe Biden and his administration, which has issued tepid con, uh, condemnations of Antifa and the far-left protesters, haven't fully distanced themselves from the defund the police movement. And it's going to be really interesting to see where we end up in two years with the midterms and four years with the midterms because law enforcement and police and police unions are a very powerful voting block. And right now, their party without a home.
1: Do you think Trumpism, which I think is now a term, will exist in the DOJ moving forward? Or are they going to try and rid that, Like almost like he tried to rid the Obama years, too?
0: Well, at the Justice Department, I mean, there wasn't much you could. I mean, you talk about Trumpism; it didn't impact the Justice Department as much. The Justice Department was a little because you have these career bureaucrats who have been there forever. They will outlast Donald Trump. They will outlast Joe Biden and whoever's president in twenty twenty four. They'll probably outlast that person. Um, so they're kind of in there doing what they want, and the real and this has been a problem that Trump had talked about fixing. I don't think Trump did a lot to fix it, honestly. I think he could have done more, not just in the Justice Department, but across government to fix this, to get those government bureaucrats out, or at least get them to a position where they're much more accountable to the American people than they are. Um, He really did not do that. And um, so therefore, the Trumpism really didn't impact the Justice Department, because you're still left with these career prosecutors who most you know, career bureaucrats, I should say, who were never really on board with Trump, and now they've outlasted him.
1: Yeah, they have. So we'll have to see how that goes. Um, the Obama administration obviously had that dark, you know, that that, that dark cloud when Loretta Lynch met with the air, met on the airplane with Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Biden doesn't want to go back to those kind of controversies, right?
0: That's right, and you know, those kind of controversies are easily avoidable. I mean, they just are. Um, you know everybody says Merrick garland's above reproach you know everybody seems to vouch for his character um, you know that very well may be true but you know those types of situations they're easy to avoid and hopefully whoever the attorney general will be whether it's a you know republican attorney general or democrat attorney general can can avoid such you know such compromising uh, positions they don't need to be in
1: Well, we'll have to see. I know this is kind of short, but, Jeff, I'm glad we got a little glimpse into what the Biden administration looks like. There's so much to cover. So when there is official one, come back and we'll do so much more on this. Absolutely.
0: There are so many things to talk about. I mean, I I had rattled up three big challenges, and we never even got the chance to get into those because they're very complex as well. Uh, Maybe perhaps when Merrick Garland's um, confirmation here comes up, uh, it's You'd like. I'd like to come back and talk to you and your audience about what we can expect in the confirmation hearing and how those challenges will play a role.
1: Let's do it. That's Jeff Moradock. He's given us a brief a brief adaptation of the new DOJ. We'll see what happens. I'm Alex Garrett, and as you know, we're always adapting.